Good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Uh, You know, when we were singing that song, going into prayer, just, I just started thinking about what's it going to be like after Jesus comes and we are all around his feet just telling him that we love him. Isn't it just going to be amazing? Thank you for that glimpse. Thank you for that glimpse today, how good it's going to be. I want to take a moment before uh, getting into the sermon today uh, with Veterans Day taking place. I want to ask that if, if you are a veteran, if you have served Uh, Would you stand? Would you be willing to stand today? We would like to thank you for your service. Don't be bashful. I know we have some here. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Johnson. Thank you. Sam. Please, Please stay. Stay standing. Please stay standing. Thank you so much for your service uh, to this country to our God, and thank you that because of people like you, we can come in a place like this and worship and tell Jesus that we love him. So thank you so much. And I just want to pray. Let's pray, okay? Jesus, I thank you so much for our veterans, for those who, out of their love for you and for this country and for humanity, Lord, um, serve this country well. Thank you, Lord, for these men present today and for those all around the globe, Lord, who have served and those who are serving. We thank you that because of them, we can worship you freely. We can tell you that we love you in front of others. We can open your word. We can praise you. And so, Jesus, I ask that you'd bless them, bless their families. And Lord, ultimately, we ask and we keep asking, Lord, that you would come quickly. And Lord, that there would be no more wars. We want it all to end. We want your kingdom to reign now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we have uh, come to our final message in the series on the Psalms. It's been a while. It's gone on for, for quite a while. And there are quite a few Psalms, obviously, that we didn't do. And I apologize to you, as I did at the beginning... I apologize to you ahead of time, and now I apologize to you now looking back that unfortunately we missed some of your favorite psalms. So many to choose from. Maybe we'll have a series part two somewhere down the road, and we'll hit all the ones that we didn't hit. But uh, I've loved just just being in the psalms uh, week after week after week, and I appreciate many of you giving such feedback how much you've enjoyed the psalms. It's just that psalms are just a good place to be, isn't it? covers all of life, it seems. The, the highs, the lows, the wrestling with God, the rejoicing in God. And so today we find ourselves in the very last psalm, Psalm 150. Psalm 150. Actually, the last few psalms, Psalms 146 to 150, are the doxology, if you will, of the entire book of Psalms. And we have here in Psalm 150, the praising of God. Praising the Lord. How many of us here today know that when the church is gathered, it's all about praising the Lord? Do you know that? Yeah? A few of you do. That's good. And the rest of you are hearing that for the first time, right? It's all about praising the Lord. How many of us here today know as well that when the church is scattered, it's about praising the Lord? You know that? Sometimes out loud, in front of people, maybe sometimes quietly, 
in the sacredness of your heart? Man, alive. How about some of those sunsets this week? My goodness, night after night after night, watching the sunsets. <laughs> this morning, how, how many of you saw the sunrise this morning? Any of you? Some of you? Those of you who are the early risers, wasn't it gorgeous? I was watching the sun come out over Mount San Jacinto as I was just sitting there marinating in my notes and in the Bible. And I'd, at one point, the sun came, I had to actually move to the other side of the couch because it was just hitting me in the face. But watching the sky change and the colors just sit there, just, man, God, you are so, so good. Well, today's psalm, Psalm 150, the psalmist is calling the Lord's people to praise their Lord. Let's take a look at it. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you get a sense David wants us to do some praising? Verse after verse, several times, a couple times in each verse, praise, praise the Lord. Church, I don't just want to talk about praising our Lord today. I want us to actually do some praising today of our Lord. Now, we've been doing some of that through worship, music, and so forth. But I want to sing a song that, um, that, that I think many of us here know. I'm sure many of us here know it. And as I was thinking about praising God growing up, thinking of my childhood and, and younger years, and, and even recently, that wonderful song, The Doxology. Right? We're going to put the lyrics up there just in case some of you have forgotten them or some of you don't know them. And I want us to sing that together. All right? Let's sing that. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Just praising him. Praising him. Now, I also thought growing up, there was a song we did. And it was a lot of fun. And I'm going to ask you to move this morning. Okay? We won't call this dancing, even though the Bible says to dance, right? But, but I'm going to ask you to move. Do you remember that song? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Now, this side's going to be the hallelujahs. This side and the balcony is going to be the praise ye the Lord. Okay? And I'm going to ask you to stand. I know I'm pushing the envelope today, but, but if you don't feel like standing or standing's too much, you can get really Pentecostal and raise your arms or raise your hands, okay? <laughs> if standing up and down is too much, you just want to stand, that's okay too. We have people in first service that if you're getting me up once, I'm standing up through the whole song. So that's the way it's going to work. <laughs> so this side will be the hallelujah. So we need you to stand, if you will, or raise your hands, whichever you want to do. You guys will stand on the praise of the Lord. Now, just as a reminder, because it's been so long, 
Remember there's that tag of praise ye the Lord, so you gotta keep standing up. I know even though I'm telling you that, some of you are gonna start sitting down, but I'm just telling you, okay? All right, you guys ready? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. There you go. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Good job. All right. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to go faster and faster. No, I'm just kidding. Now, I like some of you, like standing wasn't enough. You were standing and raising your hands. I like that. That was awesome. Isn't it good to praise the Lord? Yeah. And it's amazing how it impacts when we start moving a little bit and get the oxygen going, we can really start praising him. Hallelujah. That's what this psalm says. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallel, praise Yahweh, the Lord. Hallelujah. And so the psalmist over and over says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Essentially, the psalmist is saying, praise him because he's your king and he's your God and he reigns. Praise the one who reigns. Praise God, the king of kings and Lord of lords. Don't forget. Don't forget that he is your king and he is your God. And he tells us how. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Now we can tell Adventists did not write this psalm, right? But the psalmist was an Adventist, wasn't he? He was expecting God to come. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. That's getting kind of loud in church. Clashing of the cymbals. Resounding symbols. As I thought about this, I, you can't not think about the Ark of the Covenant and the children of Israel celebrating the Ark of the Covenant and worshiping. I started thinking about David. You remember the story of David and how all Israel, it says, was celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets and harps and lyres and timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. And then there are those words, David was dancing. David was dancing before the Lord, not just dancing before him, but dancing before the Lord with all his might. Now, after coming to Calamesa, I learned that Calamesa has its own liturgy, has its own liturgical calendar, if you will. You know, where the liturgical uh, calendar is typically about uh, Advent, you know, and they have things like Pentecost and all different things like that. Calamesa has things like August in Calamesa, right? <laughs> Christmas concerts, uh, PSR, church retreat, and so forth. And I've learned that it's during August in Calamesa is when we worship with dancing. Yeah. Right? Are you with me? Can you do the line dancing out there? <laughs> Some of you are going there. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Just picture that. Probably somewhere around 30,000 people with David dancing before them because they were celebrating God with them. The ark of the covenant. God with them. And then I fast forward to the time of Jesus when now God in the flesh is with people. No longer in this ark, but now in 
flesh and bones, Jesus coming. And there's that triumphal entry. And Luke 19 says, as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which had been seen, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And there's that word, but... But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Church, I refuse to be replaced by a stone. And I hope you do too. I hope you do too. As someone who's being made new by the Holy Spirit and God's presence in our life, we are called to praise the Lord. When it says hallelujah and it says Yahweh, it's not just to praise some God. Yahweh's the personal name of that relationship with the people, the covenant God. And you and I know God by name. His name is Jesus. And so we are called to praise our Lord because of what he's done. And just as this psalm, you get this sense of, of the orchestra, if you will, creating this wonderful sound with the trumpets, right, and the cymbals and and the timbrel and, and the strings and the pipes, the cymbals begin to build. You, know, that, you feel that crescendo coming on. The cymbals are building and it's building with this resounding. It's building to something. And it builds to that last verse, finally, where the psalmist says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I love what one Old Testament scholar says, no other use of breath could be more right and true to life than the praise of the Lord. No other sound could better speak the gratitude of life than the praise of the Lord. One other scholar says, the final verse of the Psalter is an eloquent reminder of the book's pervasive message. To praise God is to live, and to live is to praise God. As we've looked at the Psalms, we've looked at many prayers, we've looked at many petitions, even protests by the psalmists. And there have been praises, but now at the end of the book, we're being called to praise, to praise God. Because when all is said and done, no matter what the life lived, the end and meaning of all is finding the fulfillment of all of life in the praise of God. Recognizing God alone is the creator and giver of life. God alone is the savior and the redeemer of life. And so church, it's always important to remember where we've come from, always. And so may I just kind of take you back a little bit in memory lane, if I can, to the book of Ephesians. That great passage in chapter two. Remember these words, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I love the tense of that word, saved. 
It's by grace that you have been saved. God has saved you, church. To that I say hallelujah. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How can we not praise him, church? How can we not praise him? I've been going back rereading an older book of Philip Yancey's called What's So Amazing About Grace. Such a great book. If you've never read it, I highly, highly recommend it. In it, he gives a story, tells a story about C.S. Lewis. He says, during a British conference on comparative religions, experts from around the world debated what, if any, belief was unique to the Christian faith. They began eliminating possibilities. Incarnation, well, other religions had different versions of God's appearing in human form. Resurrection, again, other religions had accounts of return from death. The debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis wandered into the room. What's the rumpus about, he asked, and heard in reply that his colleagues were discussing Christianity's unique contribution among world religions. Lewis responded, oh, that's easy. It's grace. After some discussion, the conferees had to agree. The notion of God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. The Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant, and Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way to earn approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. I praise God that because of God, life is all about grace and not karma. Because if karma was it, I would not be a happy man. Looking forward to my future. In my senses, many of you would not either. But the grace of God prevails. Last month, the pastors were on retreat for a couple days. We got away as a staff and just tried to get alone with Jesus for a couple of days. We were in this passage I want to share with you, and, and we were in it with the Board and Finance Committee this last week. What a great passage, Isaiah 55. Ho, it says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Isn't it great that our God invites us? We who are thirsty, we who are hungry deeply in this life, he calls us and invites us to come to him. And the paradox of coming and buying where we have no money to buy with, he offers and he gives to us freely because he has paid the price. How good our God is. Let me share with you a couple of thoughts that I enjoyed this week from Ellen White. Had he not by his death and resurrection opened for us the door of hope, we should have known nothing but the horrors of darkness and the miseries of despair. In our present state, favored and blessed as we are, 
We cannot realize from what depths we have been rescued. We cannot measure how much deeper our afflictions would have been, how much greater our woes, had not Jesus encircled us with his human arm of sympathy and love and lifted us up. She goes on and she says, through his merits, we have pardon and peace. He died that he might wash away our sins, clothe us with his righteousness, and fit us for the society of heaven where we may dwell in light forever. I love when she says this, dear brother, dear sister, when Satan would fill your mind with despondency, gloom, and doubt, resist his suggestions. Tell him of the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. You cannot save yourself from the tempter's power, but he trembles and flees when the merits of that precious blood are urged. Isn't that awesome? And then she says, oh, let us begin to sing the songs of heaven here. And that's what we're doing. That's what the psalmist invites us to, to praise the Lord through song and through speech and through prayer. Walter Brueggemann, one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, says, Psalm 150 expresses a lyrical self-abandonment, an utter yielding of self without vested interest, calculation, desire, or hidden agenda. See, when we say hallelujah, praise the Lord, we keep God on the throne and us as his people. It's too easy to put ourselves on the throne, isn't it, church? It's too easy to put ourselves in the one who feels like we should be in control. And when we praise the Lord, we always recognize that he is God and we are not. I love the story that I read about. It was in NPR not too long ago, just last month. Told the story about someone who lived in uh, Montreal, Canada. Now, I haven't heard about these laws, but, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're true. This uh, 38-year-old dad of two was driving, and a certain song came on the radio, a song that uh, I'm sure many of us have heard came out in 1990. It was called, uh, you might remember the song, Everybody Dance Now, right? CNC Music Factory, 1990. Well, that song came on the radio, and he, uh, he couldn't help but start singing while he was driving. And I guess he maybe was moving too while he was driving. I don't know what happened. But the police decided to pull him over. He says, I was thinking they wanted to pass, but they called on the speaker. Please go to the right side. I stopped and four police came, two on each side, and checked the inside of the car. Then they asked me if I had screamed. I said, no, I was just singing. <laughs> the article goes on and says, Montreal has very varying bylaws depending on the neighborhood. But police apparently felt that this case fell under the category of, I love this, noise resulting from cries, clamors, singing, altercations, or cursing, and any other form of uproar. And it's prohibited in that part of the city. It earned the poor 38-year-old father of two a $118 ticket. <laughs> he goes on and he says, I don't know if my voice was very bad and that's why I got the ticket, but I was very shocked. And then NPR, the article goes on and asks the police a question. How do you not sing to that song, right? <laughs> Church, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, how do we not praise the Lord? How do we not? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. When we recognize and remember who God is to us and what he's done for us, how do we not praise him? Because church, praising the Lord 
always keeps all of life in its proper perspective. Praising the Lord keeps me decreasing that he may increase. Praising the Lord keeps me humble, remembering life now and to come is all about his grace freely given. Praising the Lord helps us lose ourselves so that we might find our true selves. And praising the Lord helps us die to self so that Christ might live. And praising the Lord removes ourselves from sitting on the throne and acknowledges that God and God alone sits on the throne as our Lord and King, and he alone reigns now and forever. And with that, church, I say, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, to you we say hallelujah. You are our God, our Lord, and our Savior and friend. How can we not praise you? Yes, Lord, we confess there are times life gets difficult, life gets hard, and it's hard to praise. So, Lord, I ask for the grace to praise you. Because when we do, no matter how good or how bad life is getting, when we praise you, things become well-focused and we see the proper perspective. And so, Jesus, we praise you because we love you. Thank you for your grace that keeps coming, keeps giving, because your love, as we remember the Psalms from the past say, never fails. So hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Would you take a moment in silent prayer, praising Jesus this morning. the amazing grace of Jesus. That's a good reason to praise.